Counter the latest internet sensation. You might be going to go down the Hall of Fame fighter. I think the Pokemons got Sam Costello there. I'm sure most of you are wondering, what are you doing here? Good morning, Seb, and good morning to all your listeners. Thanks, Uncle Chomp Chomp. Today, my dreams came true. It's unbelievable. Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello on Triple M. Controversial program we run here, and during the week, Pauline Hanson actually bought into the weekend breakfast debate. I'm concerned for every one of you and everyone at home. Pauline, it's a good show. Stick it out. A couple more weeks, you'll be right into it. It is a big Saturday in Melbourne. If you heard about the case of Karen Rostevsky, the missing mum out in Avondale Heights, well, that has been absolutely turned on its head this morning with a new family member emerging to say that he has been interviewed by police. We'll give you all the details on that this morning. As you heard in the news with Gunners 2, gunshots fired in Germany. We believe eight people have been killed in another attack. We'll find out what that's all about. And last night, the footy, of course, we'll touch on that. The Magpies had a good opportunity to knock off North Melbourne. They didn't do it. They fell quite far short. We'll talk about that with the Collingwood Coleman medalist, Brian Taylor, a bit later. An enormous story from Melbourne just breaking now. These details, almost hard to believe. Every day we hear about a shooting in Melbourne and sometimes you kind of glaze over. Another shooting this morning in Ascot Vale, but details have emerged of the victim. Hot off the press from the Triple M newsroom, Nicole Gunn. Who is the victim of this shooting? A 52-year-old man who we may know of called Stephen Dank. Stephen Dank, the Essendon sports scientist, has been shot this morning. We have been told that a 52-year-old man, uh, shots fired into a home overnight or early this morning. He suffered a graze to the forehead. Incredibly lucky, a 52-year-old man injured. Now, it's gone out that it was the home of Stephen Dank. This uh, incident happening early this morning. And you're right, you get a little bit blasé about, oh, no, drive-by shooting, another one in Melbourne. But uh, this one takes on huge connotations given everything that's been going on involving the Essendon Football Club and now he has been injured. You're hearing the voice of Nicole Gunn from the Triple M newsroom bringing us the news that the sports scientist who led the Essendon Supplements regime, Stephen Dank, has been shot this morning. Danny Weidler is an NRL reporter, works out of the newsroom at Channel 9 in Sydney. He's got a very close relationship with Dank, having followed the work that Dank did with the Cronulla Sharks. And Danny has just tweeted nine minutes ago, Stephen Dank has been shot at his home, bullet grazed his forehead, several shots fired. Gunners, thanks for that. I'm sure you'll be all over this this morning. Oh, yeah. It's taken a new lift the morning, hasn't it? We're going to cross out to Ascot Vale 2 to the scene of that shooting. Neary Ty is on her way out there for the Nine Newsroom. Nicole Gunn, thanks for that. Stephen Dank shot in Ascot Vale. One, two, three. Here is the three things you need to know about with Channel 9's Peter Hitchener. I must point out, we choose the topics on three things during the week, not on the day. So it, with with a sense of irony that, Peter Hitchner, what is our topic for this week? Three things you need to know about Essendon versus Brisbane. Well, it's the Battle of the Wooden Spoon. It's going to be potentially a bit of a poo game. So we thought we'd do three things about this contest that's happening today. Hitchy, what's the first thing? The expected crowd is set to be 2,000. That is, once you take in pie sellers, ticket inspectors, security staff and the players. (laughs) And the players, that's grim. Number two? The best footy will come halfway through the afternoon when the two Little League teams take to the field. To be fair, there are some very good Little Leaguers out there today. And the final thing? The AFL's official statistical partner, Champion Data, will be renamed Below Average Data for this match only. (laughs) 
Coming up, I'm going to tell you all about disc golf as part of the glittering galaxy of sport. Thanks, Hitchy. That was the three things you need to know with Peter Hitchner. In the 20th century, the sporting landscape was indeed a wide world. But with the advent of the interweb communication and global overpopulation, the sporting universe is bigger than ever. And champions beyond the traditional games deserve their recognition. Presenting the weekend breakfasts, glittering galaxy of sport. And don't the kids love it? We're very happy with our sponsors here on the Weekend Breakfast, which is the Eagle Ridge Golf Club. But there's a big sport on the rise. Imagine golf, and then instead of a ball and a club, imagine a frisbee, a flying disc in the hands of the players who are trying to get it into a metal basket at the other end of the hole. Joining us from the Geelong Disc Golf Club, he's also representing Australia, if you don't mind, a bit later in the year. Morning, Paddy Robinson. How are we going, Seb? Mate, I notice it's called disc golf. Uh, why isn't the word frisbee mentioned? Uh, frisbee is actually a trademark name, so right. we, we, can't, uh, we can't use it. So we, we coined the term disc golf. So the rough idea is similar to golf. You start at the tee with your disc. You want to get as few throws as possible to get it into a 1.6-metre basket at the other end of the hole. Are there courses all around Victoria? There's probably about, I think, about 12. 12 courses in Victoria at the moment. Um, there, there are two main ones, though, that are uh, free to play for the public. Um, we've got one course in Ruffy Lake Park in Doncaster in Melbourne, and the other one is down in Barwon Valley Fun Park in Geelong. Man, I think I've seen this stuff on TV in America. It's huge over there. All the colleges are into it. Are there, is there a pro tour? Are there people who are making their career solely out of disc golf? Yeah, correct. There's uh, there's pro players. Um, they do a pro sor- circuit. There's been a world tour this year. So um, Australia actually hosted uh, an event on the world tour um, over in Perth, the Aussie Open. Um, but yeah, these, these guys get paid to play. They go all around the world and uh, they're unreal. You've never seen anyone throw a frisbee like these guys. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> when you think golf, sometimes you think golf fashion. Is it the same in disc golf? Do we see the colourful strides with the socks sort of pulled over the ankles there? Oh, sometimes we like to look pretty uh, <laughs> fabulous when we go out and play. But um, gen- generally, we wear pretty uh, comfy outfits. We, uh, you know, it's it is it's not as physical as footy or soccer or anything. But uh, we like to keep pretty uh, pretty comfortable when, when we play. Yeah. <laughs> Chubbs Peterson in the iconic Happy Gilmore said the key to golf was all in the hips. What's the key to disc golf? All in the hips, mate. He was bang on the money, <laughs> bang on the money. It uses a full full body motion. Um, you've got either a backhand throw or a forehand throw. Um, so, yeah, all, all the power comes from your hips, definitely, as Chubbs was uh, indicated. But um... <laughs> Paddy Robinson is one of Australia's finest disc golf players and gets about down there at the Geelong Disc Golf Club. Mate, uh, thanks for being part of the glittering galaxy of sport. No worries. Appreciate it, Seb. Not that long now until the big fight between our man, Danny Green, who does our health and fitness segment, and the Aussie Cruiserweight champion, Kane Watts, who joins us in the studio this morning. G'day, Kane. You're fighting Danny Green, one of the biggest names, if not the biggest name in Australian boxing. Is it a bit of a surreal experience? Oh, it's very surreal, mate. It's uh, something I, I never thought a few years ago I would have been sitting here with uh, with that in front of me, but yeah, it's uh, here now and I couldn't be happier. As a boxer, was he someone you admired? 
Yeah, at the uh, I went to his uh, mundane green fight many years ago, and yeah, I was uh, I was certainly batting for him on uh, on the night, and yeah, bought a bit of his merchandise on the night. He's uh, yeah, someone I, I looked up to for for a long time. Does that make it harder to punch a bloke if you look up to him? At the end of the day, mate, it's uh, it's a sport, so there's no hard feelings there, but. Uh, yeah, I'm going in there to get the job done. Tell us a bit about your team, because I understand uh, Ray Giles, who worked a bit with Joe Watson in his early years as a footballer, is part of that. We uh, we got put together about eight years ago, yeah, and we, we've been like a family ever since. He's been a mentor inside and uh, and outside of the ring. And we first came to know his name when he was working with Joe Watson, Joe being this young kid drafted out yeah. of Xavier College, then probably wasn't expected to be a Brownlow well, medalist. Even before that, he, he did a lot of work with uh, Darren Mullane. So Darren Mullane gave him a big uh, big credit in, the, in his book that he wrote many years ago. So he's, he's been around the traps for a long time, Ray. Mate, you are a Bomber fan, aren't you? Oh, I am a Bomber fan, yeah. unfortunately, at the moment. Well, yeah. <laughs> have you have you been dealing with it? Not too bad. I think uh, next year we'll be bouncing back, so I need to put all this stuff behind them and, uh, and move on. And tell yeah. me this. You know, boxing is one of those sports where you're always looking for the big opportunity, the big payday. And for you, it's been one that you've kind of had to pursue in your after-hours time for a lot of your career, you know, because you, yeah. you do what you do, a bit of plumbing, is that right? Yeah, I own a, uh, a plumbing company. Yeah, trying trying to uh, work in between that and uh, fighting in the past has been a bit of a bit of a challenge. But uh, yeah, this fight we've uh, we've been able to train full time. Yeah, all the benefits I've been getting from it, yeah, it's huge. And have you coped with the the spotlight of it all? I mean, as I say, Greeny's a big name. A Danny Green fight gets thousands to High Sense Arena, and there you are on the equal billing with him. Have you handled that? Uh, at the start, it was a little bit, uh, a little bit surreal and hard to take, but yeah, I'm, I'm starting to gel into it a bit now. Is Sugar the nickname? Yeah, it is now. Yeah. Now, that's uh, how long's that been around? <laughs> uh, what, when I started my pro career, actually, um, one of the ring announcers, Howard Lee, came up with that one. When when I was an amateur fighter, he uh, used to call me kilowatts. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that's almost your sugar in the uh, pro ranks. Well, you might be the giant kilowatts if you can get it done. Uh, come August three against Danny Green, Kane Watts. Great to chat to you, and good luck for the fight. Cheers, Seb. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. We have some friends in the studio. I'd like to introduce to you this morning from Channel Nine, Jade Vincent. Good morning. And from Channel Ten, Chanel Vella. Hello. Now, ladies, what's caught your eye this week? Oh, definitely the Melania Trump speech, the hugely plagiarised speech at the Republican convention this week that was a complete ripoff of <laughs> Michelle Obama's 2008 speech. Melania obviously just typed into Google, oh, what am I going to say? What's a good speech to get my husband in office? <laughs> well, yeah, go Chanel. I you just love it so much. And just she said it so confidently mm. and she went in with – just the words were so strong and she didn't think anyone was going to notice. Mm, that's the best bit. It's something out of miscongeniality, isn't it? The way she just stand and delivers. Just to remind you, here's Michelle Obama and Melania Trump. You work hard for what you want in life. That your word is your bond, that you do what you say you're going to do. You work hard for what you want in life. <laughs> that your word is your bond and you do what you say because... We want our children and all children in this nation to know that the only limit to the height of your achievements is the reach of your dreams and your willingness to work hard for them. Because we want our children in this nation to know that the only limit to your achievements is the strength of your dreams and your willingness to work for them. 
I just love her voice. It's amazing. Yeah, she sounds like some espionage film villain, you know, like Natalia from GoldenEye or something. If she says work hard, you work <laughs> yeah, hard. Yeah, but we've all done it, haven't we? Oh, look, absolutely. And my lovely boyfriend, Nicholas, has fallen victim to this. Yeah. So went off to a christening, didn't have my poetic words to help him right. with the card. So he's just typed into Google, what do you write in a christening card? <laughs> Written the first thing that's come up, gotten to the christening, said to his best mate, Mate, I had such a hard time writing that card, so I had to Google it and just write the first thing that came up. His mate just turned to him and said, I did the exact same thing. <laughs> so they've both written the oh, exact no. same thing in the christening card and then had to fess up to it. Oh, no. It's just getting busted. He was so confident as well. I love it. Yeah. You're dating Melania Trump. I am. <laughs> it's, it's going well. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Chanel Bella from Channel 10, Jade Vincent from Channel 9, Ryan from Lang Warren, good morning. How are we going, Seb and ladies? Mate, what happened to you? Uh, first year uni, doing a secondary teaching degree, had an assignment to hand in, was about 500 words short, so basically just uh, plagiarised a couple of paragraphs out of a textbook, um, <laughs> sitting at the back of the class watching the teacher handle the assignments back, yep, 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 mine had a big yellow cover sheet on it, and I uh, thought, I don't remember that, and uh, played <laughs> Plagiarised, written right across the Oh, Ryan, the first rule of plagiarising is you have to know about the (laughs) plagiarism tool that these lecturers use to catch you out. And you're a teacher. I know. I was about to say that. He's a teacher. I was not a teacher yet. (laughs) (laughs) And now you can teach your students about the evils of plagiarism. Correct. It's all about growing. You want some tickets to Jason Bourne? That'd be great. Mate, they are yours. The exclusive Triple M screening. It's in cinemas on July 28th. The other thing, guys, it's not just Michelle Obama that Melania has ripped off. He will never, ever give up. And most importantly, he will never, ever let you down. I love how everyone spontaneously dances (laughs) when you hear Rick Astley. You've got to give her props. It's Mm. a catchy song. Yeah. In fact, I actually respect her more for ripping off Ashley than I do for ripping off Michelle Obama. I mean, that is just such an iconic. Somebody, when um, David Cameron stepped down as Prime Minister, made a poster that said, Ashley for Prime Minister, he will never give you up, he will never let you down, (laughs) he will never run away and desert you. And now neither will Melena Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Did she not think she was going to get caught, though? That's what blows my mind. I don't think you do when you plagiarise because you Mm. talk yourself into it and you're like, I got this. And it's all in the delivery. I mean, my I, I did it when, um, when we were sort of jockeying for leadership positions at high school and we all had to make a speech and I thought, what the hell am I going to say here? So I was walking through uh, the local shopping centre and there was one of those really nuffy inspirational posters with like an eagle flying through the Grand oh Canyon and then the words... <laughs> I would not have voted for you. <laughs> leadership is about passion, drive, inspiration and the ability to listen. And, and now so, it's Seb Costello's business card. <laughs> that's yeah, what it says yeah, on your business card, doesn't it? it? Yeah. And so I got up in front of the school and said, I was thinking about what leadership means to me last night and repeated word for word the inspirational poster without the eagle. Was there a standing ovation or a... Uh, uh, there was a few rotten tomatoes. <laughs> did you put your hands in the air like an eagle <laughs> yeah. really rev up the crowd? You did. Oh, look, there may have been a little uh, eagle pantomime sort of style, but needless to say, I lost the vote. So, uh, yeah, it didn't, didn't work so well for me. Now, keeping on the supermodel track of, mm. of Trump, now you've... You've been bumped, Seb. I know. Uh, By a supermodel. This is uh, uh, this is very embarrassing. Yes, uh, I uh, usually uh, have a little spot on the Today Show on a Saturday morning. Got a call last night saying, "Mate, you're out. 
We need a spot for Miss World in the program this morning. <laughs> and now you've got your Essendon hoodie on, mm. which is somewhat appropriate this morning. Hang on. Are you, are you what, you, are you trying to... Look, I was I'm nowhere near Ascot Vale last night. <laughs> I love the Bombers, but I was nowhere near Ascot Vale last night when Stephen Dank was... Don't you be surprised if some <laughs> police come knocking on your door later on. But you know what the consolation is? I get to hang out with two supermodels in the studio oh, this morning. It's true. I'm going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Channel 9, Jade Vincent from Channel 10, Chanel Vella. Great to have you in, guys. We should do this more regularly. We Thank should. you for having us. Thank you. Stephen Dank, the sports scientist, shot this morning in Ascot Vale. This is going to be the story that's going to dominate all day. And we'll get straight to it. Straight to the scene of last night's crime with Channel 9's Neary Tai, who is out there in Ascot Vale. Morning, Neary. Morning, Seb. Is it still an active crime scene? It certainly is. We've got police here at the moment doing a line search just um, on the grass in front of um, Dank's home. So he basically lives in a sort of block of apartments and they're just combing through the grass. They've walked um, back and forth a number of times. We've got detectives on the balcony. I can see um, it looks like the bathroom window's got a big sort of hole in it. The glass has been smashed. Obviously, it was around 2.20 this morning when a number of shots, we believe three to four, were fired into the property. And we believe one of the bullets has actually ricocheted um, an injured tank and the authority's been taken to the Royal Melbourne Hospital, uh, where he's currently receiving treatment at the moment. So certainly, uh, yeah, big developments here overnight. Um, police are still here at the moment. Um, it, the area's taped off and there's quite a big media presence here as well. I can imagine. So there's a window upstairs, which looks to be the bathroom. You wonder if the shooter saw a shadow in that window and fired. It's incredible. Is, is the street waking up yet near here? Are the neighbours coming out to have a look? Oh, look, we've um, we've seen one neighbour just uh, returning home next door. We might just go and have a chat to him. But, um, you know, there's a few people walking and being in their bins just sort of wondering what's going on. But it, it's the area, the, the front section of his home, it's all grass. So it's not like, a, it doesn't seem like a car's, you know, driven past. It, it might be someone on foot, but obviously police are yet to tell us the exact details. Hopefully we'll hear from them soon. Quite an extraordinary development. We're speaking to Neeru Tai, who is in Ascot Vale at the property where Stephen Dank, the sports scientist, was shot in the early hours of this morning. And just once again, Neeru, what were Dank's injuries? Um, so he was suffered grazing to his forehead, um, obviously, which isn't too serious. We saw some shots of him uh, overnight walking, being walked into the ambulance to be taken away. So obviously he was able to walk, uh, you know, into the ambulance for treatment. Uh, so it doesn't sound too serious, but certainly very frightening here. We don't know why he's been targeted. Um, you know, we don't know why if it's been a case of mistaken identity or whether he's actually been targeted. But hopefully we'll get some more details from police later in the day. Look forward to that. Neary Tai, thanks for your time. Thank you. At the scene there, Neary Tai from Channel 9 News, Stephen Dank shot this morning. When you heard that for the first time, when I heard that for the first time, I just went, wow. Extraordinary development. The Russian athletic team will not be at the Rio Games due to evidence of a state-sponsored doping program. It's a very good morning to our man in the sport, the Athletics Australia CEO. G'day, Phil Jones. Good morning, Seth. How are you? Phil, will our athletes benefit from the Russian ban and in which events? We've looked at that and and really probably it doesn't have a medal impact per se, um, with with the exception possibly of the uh, of the walking events. 
Where it, where it does have an impact is that people who may not have made the semi-finals might now make them, and people that may not have made the finals from the semis may now make them. So I think it, it, it will have an overall impact on the general performance of the team. We've seen today Russian athletes saying that this is a crime against sport, that this is the funeral of athletics. Do you think even with this ban, the Russians are going to get the message? Oh, look, I, I hope not only the Russians, but, you know, also in, in other countries where there are issues that, um, that are, you know, suspected. I mean, this is, this is helping to level the playing field. This is not going to give us a level playing field in Rio. I think, you know, one of the things we've been discussing in a number of other countries is um, a zero tolerance to this. So if you are found guilty of a doping offence, perhaps it should be a lifetime ban. Perhaps you shouldn't be allowed back into the sport. If if that kind of sanction were applied, I think you know more athletes would think twice, and and probably more organisations would think twice um, about the outcome. I tend to agree with you. The details are just staggering that these athletes would give samples and then somebody dressed as a sewer maintenance worker would slide them out a hole in the wall to swap them over with clean urine is, you know, it's it's like something out of some sort of espionage novel, really strange sort of stuff. There is apparently some guidelines whereby athletes could apply to compete as neutral athletes at the Rio Games. Do you know how that actually would work? Those athletes that could establish that they had not been subject to the Russian regime, principally athletes, for example, that have been training overseas and therefore subject to uh, doping regimes in other countries, could actually appeal to um, the Court of Arbitration for Sport to um, compete as neutrals. There is one athlete, as I understand it, that has um, been able to establish that. The problem is that um, the the IOC is saying, well, you actually can't compete as neutral. They would need to compete as a Russian athlete. So, so that issue is still slightly unclear at this point. Discussion now turns to whether, come the next few days, the IOC should really put the hammer down and ban the full Russian Olympic team. What's your view of that? That will be a very interesting one for them, I think. There's some, uh, obviously some challenges around that. Uh, I, I, I guess the key thing in this is that the, it's the International Federation, in, in, in the case of athletics, the, uh, the IAAF, that make decisions around eligibility of athletes. So what the IOC may do, um, and this is speculation on my part, they may hand this back to the various international federations of the sports involved and say, you make a decision. Well, mate, our team has got a lot of qualifiers, which is great. Over 60 athletes in, in athletics representing Australia. Congratulations on those sort of results. Phil Jones, CEO, Athletics Australia. Mate, thanks for bringing us all up to speed on that and uh, talking a bit of sense to explain you know, what has been a, a long, ongoing situation. Uh, well, indeed, pleasure. And uh, unfortunately, we'll... we'll... I suspect be an ongoing situation for some time. So. Health and fitness with Danny Green. Thanks to the team, Danny Green Fitness Program. Good morning, Greeny. Good morning, Seb. How are you, buddy? I spoke to your opponent this morning, Kane Watts, a Melbourne plumber who's got a shot at one of the biggest names in Australian boxing, your good self. Here's what he had to say this morning. 
is, uh, yeah, someone I, I looked up to for, for a long time. Does that make it harder to punch a bloke if you look up to him? At end of the day, mate, it's, uh, it's a sport, so there's no hard feelings there. But, uh, yeah, I'm going in there to get the job done. Is Kane Watts going to get the job done over you? <laughs> well, I don't know, man. <laughs> He'll be looking down at me because he's a bit taller. But um, <laughs> I'll be the one looking up at him when I'm when I'm looking at, when I'm throwing him. But uh, you know, it's it's kind of I don't really like I don't really talk a hell of a lot. He, he said in an interview a couple of weeks ago oh, he was in Brisbane sparring up there and he said I'm a, you know going off my last fight I'm a former shadow of myself and so you know there's all these things that get said you know before fights and the lead up to fights. I know Kane, I've only met him once, um, and he's a, he seems like, at the press conference, he seems like a really nice, respectful bloke, and I've heard good reports about him, but our sport's a tough sport, and when the bell goes, there's no there's no respect. Well, sorry, there is respect, but there's no feeling. It's like, for me personally, he's a piece of meat in front of me, and I just got to, my job is to break him down. Round by round, break him down, dismantle him, and take him apart, and I don't care who he is, what he's like, what he's like outside the ring. Um, that means nothing to me. And as soon as the bell goes and the fight's finished, no matter who's won, then the respect is shown as well. And then it's fine. There's no, there's no animosity. There's no malicious intent. I don't want to hurt the bloke and I don't think he really wants to hurt me, but we get hurt in our game. It's like a full contact sport. You know, it's tough. It's a tough gig. We've become desensitized to that kind of thing. How do you desensitize? You get punched in the face. It hurts. The natural reaction is sort of fight or flight. You know, you either burst into tears or you want to get angry and, and seek your revenge. How do you take the emotion out of that in the ring? You don't get angry. That's the first thing you yeah. do is you don't get angry. If you get angry, you get hurt. Yeah. And you get, and, and they, it makes it easier for them. So I've been getting, you know, since I was 12 years old, I used to come home with bark off and, you know, when I was doing, you know, karate, when I was full contact karate back when I was old school, you know, I'm mm-hmm. talking, you know, 31 years Did ago. Did you think you were Van Damme? Uh, no, <laughs> I wanted to be, I, th- I thought I, well, no, a little bit, yeah. but, um, a bit of know, blood come, sport. Yeah. I come home and I'd be punching on with grown men from the age of 12, 13 years old, you know, full right. contact punching on with, with grown men. And we used to wear little kind of mitts. It was like a, like a rap towel mm. and, you know, come off with bark off and black eye and blood noses and lip, fat lips and stuff. So from a very young age, I've grown up around that thing. So it's nothing, it's no big deal to me. It's outside the ring where I, you know, where I take, uh, you know, I take, you know, great offence to it and, and, it, and it makes me very, very sad and angry that violence outside the ring, people just accept it and they think that it's acceptable and they think that people condone it and they think that it's tough. That's what really scares and worries me and mm. upsets me. Inside the ring, inside our sport, it's a chosen, mm. we, 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 we sign up for it. So come, come August 3, you know, Kay and I got to sort this out. <laughs> Get it on. August 3, High Sense Arena. And Greeny, I said before, there's calls now for a career ban for anyone found guilty of drug cheating in sport. What do you reckon? Oh, look, mate, if you get caught, you get caught. If you're doing it, you deserve to get caught. So I shouldn't say this, Seb, but you're wearing a bomber's jumper, mate. <laughs> Low blow. <laughs> but, I woke uh... up this morning, didn't expect gunshots to be fired and Ascot failed. I thought I'll support my footy club. Now, first of all, I look like a suspect in the shooting, and now I look, you're calling me a drug cheat. I couldn't help that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, mate. So did my buddies, Wusher and Harves out there and all the boys. Yeah, no. You know it, how it's... hard it is to cop stick from a bloke who could knock you out in about 20 seconds? I can't, I can't respond. It'd take me 20 to catch him, mate. <laughs> no. Look, you know, it's... It's it's kind of rightfully on the UFC recently have had a few incidents and yep. you know we, we get drug tested and, and I think the drug testing should be more um, stringent mm. and should be more regulated should be more regular. You what know? are you so, doing? So in the lead up to a fight, is it 
sort of on the day before the fight, or when do you actually get Usually tested? Usually after the fight. After the fight. Yeah, or okay. we can have random tests, you know, if they want to come and, you know, have a, have a random blood test or a, drug, or a piss test. You so know. you sign up to ASADA framework, whatever it is? Oh, that's been, I've had them, you know, well, before I went to the Olympic Games, I come home, it was quite humorous, I come home for a... From a bender, I was over away in Canada. And I come home for a big bender. I've been on the piss all night, and then I got a knock at the door, and I basically uh, provided a a a, 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 um, a, a, a carton draft. Yeah, it had a head on it. Yeah, it had a head. The on it. Yeah, you do, do your best. <laughs> Put it in the fridge, you'd be sweet. But yeah, um, yeah so it, it's um, it's such it's it's so widely spoken about, mm. and you know everyone's everyone's kind of tired of it and. The whole rush, what's going on in Russia, yeah. there's all that stuff going on there. And, and it's kind of wild, you know. And I've, and I've fought guys that have, that I've known have been on the gear. Mm. You know, Antonio You can tell. Oh, look, man. Yeah. Some guy, he, he lost his world title after I beat him. The next defense, he tested positive. Right. This is Antonio Tarver. Antonio Tarver tested, yep. <coughs> tested American? positive. Yep. yep. For the second time or third time. He's been done two times since then. And we knew he was on the gears. Like, man, there's no way that guy could have made that weight and come in that way. No, there's no way. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I, my, my mindset was I'm going to be able to chop him up for longer because he's going to last longer. But unfortunately, it didn't work. Had a, had a shocker of a night. And, you know, he got more he got more powerful and, and, and stronger the, the longer the fight went on. Mm. So, you know, it was kind of. What can you do about it? It's, it's, it's over now. And he got sprung and his now, his legacy now is gone. His yeah. legacy is tainted forever. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's what you risk, isn't it? You can get a little shiner under the left eye there. Good sparring partner. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> also, I expect it. I've done a fair few rounds. So <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, it's part and parcel and people, people kind of get surprised. They go, not you, but people go, oh, you got a shiner. Like, well, how about, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what I do. You know? Sort of comes with the training camp, I, I do tend to have like literally thousands of punches thrown at me a week. So, <laughs> you know, China comes up, I'm, I'm all right. Yeah, I, I'm used to it, guys. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, mate, uh, Team Danny Green Fitness, teamdannygreen.com.au. You're welcome. Changing a lot of lives in that. It's a great program. And uh, Ticket Tech for Green Watts at Hisense. Yeah, Ticket Tech, and um, you know it's it's going really well, Brian. I'm a true to the promoters, you know, doing a good job, and, and the undercard's going to be a cracking undercard. And yeah, it's kind of as I was saying off, off air when the song was going. I know that you know the closer the fight gets, the the more pressure that's going to come. And you know, Kane and, and myself, you know, we're both respectful blokes, but when the bell goes, um, you know, I think you 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 notice the you'll be like, oh, what happened then? It's what, game what, on. What did he say to him? Said <laughs> him something. Very good, Grady. Always good to have you in studio, mate. Thanks very much. Always good to be here, Seb. Thanks for having me on, buddy, and uh, have a great weekend, everyone out there in Triple M land. Go Bombers. Ready. A bounce, a right for Nada. The biggest high-flying act you've ever seen in your life. Come on, mate. Follow me. Follow me to the bench. This is Brian Taylor. Looks like I'm the only one to win a Coleman and be in a film. And this is Bristles Missing. Take your flags and stick them you know where. Morning, Bristle. Good morning, Seb. I thought we'd heard the name Stephen Dank for the last time. Have you caught up with this this morning? No, what's happened? He's been shot. Shot, has he? Yeah, bullet grazed his head. He's in hospital. Oh, really? Mm. What, uh, we obviously don't know the details of that, but no. uh, that's unusual, uh, I would have thought. <laughs> Not a great way to start your weekend. No. Uh, mate, the last night, a real uh, opportunity, I guess, for the Pies to get a win over a team that was having a run of bad form. They couldn't get it done. No, because they're not as good as North Melbourne. Um, potentially, they might be better, but right at the moment, they're not. Um, North Melbourne won 11 games for the year, Seb. They've got five remaining. You know, they had, to, they had to win 13 to make the final eight last year. So of that five games, St Kilda's the 
the lowest team that they played. They are still going to struggle to make the eight, I believe. You know, if, uh, providing that one of Port Adelaide or one of the others can uh, can get on a bit of a run. But Collingwood are cooked now. They play West Coast next week, uh, Richmond Dogs, uh, Gold Coast, and Hawthorne. So they are definitely cooked and out of the finals race. Uh, they, they've got quite a good midfield. They played. Uh, Played well at times. Trelaw and these players linking up through the middle. They just couldn't get anything happening up forward. Travis Cloak didn't give them much. Jesse White, when he was up there, didn't give them much. So they're battling in the key uh, in the key forward posts at the moment. Miss Jamie Elliott all year too. Yeah, exactly. And he's important small forward. You know, one of the best in the competition. So uh, he he has really uh, battled to uh, to get his fitness right this year. In fact, he hasn't. So uh, they've struggled without him. Match of the round, got to be the Cats and the Crows, doesn't it? These are two teams that you know are really in with a strong chance of playing in a prelim final, at least. Yeah, down at Geelong tonight for that game, and uh, you know some suggestions from Cornsy over in Adelaide that uh, Adelaide should uh, you know send their not so good team over to play Geelong and just resting victory there. Yeah, which is absolutely ludicrous. Has Cornsy thrown in the towel over there in Adelaide? Well, I don't know what bloody hell is going on, but you, you, what you're doing is you're conceding a top two chance by doing that. You need as many wins as you can get. You need to record 16, 17 wins yeah. to make the top two, and uh, you need every win you can get. And on top of that, Geelong have been susceptible at Geelong this year, and they are susceptible. Sydney got them? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, they've got a couple more games, three more games there for the year um, against uh, pretty good sides in the Bulldogs, um, Adelaide, and also Melbourne in the last game of the year. So... Um, you know, they've got, to, they've got to win every game they can, Adelaide, and they can't afford to be resting players. They're on a great run at the moment. I said eight in a row, Geelong, and then they play Essendon, Brisbane, Fremantle, Port. So I would almost certainly think if they can beat Geelong tonight, I can't see them missing the top two. So I think that's how good a position they're in at the moment. It's a strange town, Adelaide. We've got four games at home. Yeah, well, it is a strange town. Have you had any experiences over there? Oh, look, mate, just weird sort of details tend to come out of that town. You know, producers yeah. scenarios that we couldn't dream of. No, they do. And when the footy finishes at Adelaide Oval, they all they all like to walk across the footbridge, even though they live in the opposite direction. <laughs> Everyone's got to walk across the footbridge at the one time. So I'm just hoping that the engineer got the weight uh, issues right on the bridge and it doesn't collapse one day because uh. there's forty, literally forty thousand people on that bridge any one time dispersing into the city um it, it's amazing they look love at the us footbridge. they do look look at our footbridge i suppose look yeah. is there is there much else to do in Adelaide? And it goes over some water and they've tried to make it look like a river by widening it but it's just a creek mm. it's uh, barely has water in it that far up the river up the creek so mm. uh, it is an interesting town yes it's an uh, unusual place bristle uh, we'll listen mm. to you on the saturday rub good to chat good on you see you seb Karen Rostevsky, the mother from Avondale Heights, has been missing since June 29th. This morning, this case has been busted wide open. Some new leads for police we've now learned of. And to tell us more about it, the journalist who has broken the story on the front page of the Herald Sun this morning. G'day, Andy Hamblin. G'day, Seb. How are you going this morning? I do apologise for my croaky voice. No, I know you're a bit sick, but we appreciate you uh, just soldiering on and getting on the show. But this is quite incredible. A new member of the Rostevsky family coming forward. Tell us about what has developed. Well, I think the uh, case of Karen Rostevsky is one that's got much of Melbourne baffled. And I know that I've been scratching my head for a few weeks now. Now, here's what we do know. Her husband, Boris, says she left the house about 10am on June 29th. He says they were discussing their finances and she left to calm down. Cameras didn't catch her leaving 
and no one has come forward to say that they saw her. The police have been searching for her, but there's been absolutely no sign. She's just disappeared without a trace. Now, the investigation we thought had gone a bit quiet. I know that the police haven't been making any public comments for the last week, um, but there's obviously been something happening in the background and it's uh, pretty extraordinary, I must say. It's, it's quite bizarre. Uh, a week ago, her stepson came to the attention of police. He was being interviewed at Sunshine over a different matter when the subject of Karen came up during the interview. And uh, he says detectives contacted him that afternoon and came to his house. Uh, and yesterday, he made a formal statement at Sunbury Police Station. Now, let me just um, check here. He says that police asked him about where his dad was that day, whether he saw his dad, and he said no. And here's where the story gets really interesting. Anthony admits that he has a motive to want to hurt his stepmother. He says there's been a long-standing conflict in the family. Sure. And in fact, he claims that he phoned Karen about 10 days before she disappeared. Now, he says he wanted to confront her and sort out their issues, but he never got to have that meeting. Um, the detectives have, of course, asked him about his whereabouts that day, and he can't actually remember where he was, wow. he says, which is a bit strange. Um, so they'll definitely have some hard questions for him. So he, uh, he's a stepson, says he's got a motive, can't account for his whereabouts, and yet denies being involved in her disappearance. Absolutely denies being involved in her disappearance, but... Regardless of whether he was involved in the disappearance or not, uh, it's still a very significant development because it gives us a little bit of an insight into um, the state of mind Karen might have been in. So yeah. he says that he phoned her, there was a conflict going on, and he's actually wondering if that phone call was the trigger to her disappearance. Talking to Andy Hamblin from the Herald Sun, who has broken this story of a development in the case of Karen Rostevsky, the missing mum at Avondale Heights. Just one quick one. A part of your story that leaps out off the page to me is when this stepson is being interviewed by police, they ask him whether he killed his stepmother, and you report this morning that his reply was, I would have liked to. Is that true? He said that he would have liked to have killed her. He's been angry at her in the past, but he says that he didn't do that. So he might have you know, felt angry. Uh, he, he says quite clearly that he probably you know, has felt these feelings that he wanted to hurt her, but he's absolutely denied involvement in the disappearance. Unbelievable. Have a look at the Herald Sun this morning for more details. Andy Hamblin from the Herald Sun, thanks for coming on. Good on you, Seb. Thanks. In her regular spot from Fox Sports Morning, Nearly Meadows. Thanks for having me. Phil Jones, Athletic Australia CEO, on the program earlier this morning, and he floated the idea that we need tougher penalties in sport for dopers. In fact, floating the idea that anyone found guilty of drug cheating receives a lifetime ban. Here's what he said. I think, you know, one of the things we've been discussing in a number of other countries is um, a zero tolerance to this. So if you are found guilty of a doping offence, perhaps it should be a lifetime ban. Perhaps you shouldn't be allowed back into the sport. If, if that kind of sanction were applied, I think, you know, more athletes would think twice and, and probably more organisations would think twice 
um, about the outcome. One triple three five three. Do we need to introduce lifetime bans for drug cheaters in sport? Got some tickets to Jason Bourne to give away. One triple three five three. What do you reckon? I think it's a great idea for the organisations, but I think for the individual, I already feel a little bit sorry for athletes who are caught up in athlete, in, in countries where it is systematic and they essentially have no choice. How do you stand up against authorities in Russia and say, no, I'm not doing that? Um, you know, we were talking off air. We feel a level of empathy and sympathy for the Essendon players, but we don't feel that same sort of sympathy for others. Obviously, it's a very different situation, but when it's an individual, I think that's difficult. And then also there are the situations where they actually have been duped and they didn't realise they were taking something. So lifetime bans are very serious, but I do think it's the only way that you'll get um, an organisation or a country to buy in. I agree with Phil Jones there, actually. I mean, how long have we been putting up with this situation and people continue to cheat? And it is such a clear system now, you know, to, to take illegal substances you really have to be aware that there are penalties, be aware it's against the rules, and you've ignored that and gone ahead with it. G'day, Leanne at Laylaw. What do you think? I agree they should be banned for life because, you know, they're cheating. That's it. You know, that's, that's just all it boils down to is they're cheating. Simple as that. At Endeavour Hills, Tom, do we need lifetime bans for drug cheats in sport? Uh, look, basically no, but it's a really complex issue. This is sort of like handing out death penalties because of any suspicion of something, you know, so... Um, for instance, the Essendon players, that's a classic you just mentioned it, um, some of those guys didn't know what they were getting. They thought they were getting vitamins. They signed up to vitamin supplements and a whole bunch of legal drugs. It actually says on the documentation they signed, these will all be legal. Mm. So someone comes along, gives them stuff they don't know they're getting, and now you're saying you're going to ban them for life for something they, they didn't actually know. You, you can't get convicted of murder if you didn't know you did it. You know, and you're saying, oh, yes, we'll convict them of murder because bad luck, you know. It's, Good on you, Tom. It's a, it's a nice legal process. It's not really fair. Yeah, I appreciate your call. And, mate, you got two tickets to, uh, to Jason Bourne, the Triple M exclusive screening. Enjoy that at Bentley Martin. G'day, uh, g'day, Seb. Look, I think there should be a life ban. I've uh, I've competed at uh, World Champs and Commonwealth Games uh, many, many years ago now, before uh, drugs was rife. But um, anyone that uh, systematically drugs themselves for a performance enhancing, I think, should be should be rubbed out for life. There's no excuse. They know what they're doing, and it should just be right bang. And and I think you're right. I think that'll. Uh, That'll certainly solve a lot of the issues that we're facing at the moment. It is fascinating, Seb, because there, are, for a long time now, there have there have been a situation where the the drug, the people who are providing the drugs, are well ahead of the people who are testing for it. And we've seen a report today that a further forty five athletes have tested positive for banned substances after a second set of samples were reanalyzed from the London and Beijing Olympics, and this is staggering. 23 of those people were medalists Gosh. from 2008 in Beijing. Wow. So what is happening is the testing is behind where the drugs are at. But what that By also means years. what that also means though is that you will get caught eventually. Yeah. So it, you may have your moment, but 8 years down the track that will then be put in shame really. Mm. So as we've seen is Martin still there? You there Marty? I am. What was your sport? I rode Oh, very good, mate. I oh, appreciate that. Good on you. Good luck uh, going forward. But yeah, so that's amazing. So there's now, what, an extra 23 Jared Talent-esque situations coming out of the Beijing games? Potentially. Wow. And that's that's huge. And it's going to keep going for every Olympic, you know, London will be, you know, in a similar situation. So it, 
I think if you you don't just think about what is happening now and what could happen at the time, I think you also need to worry about what happens in retrospect. And you may have had your moment of glory, but you'll be dragged through the mud later. Two years is sort of, to me, it sounds like a penalty that allows you to get everything out of your system. And that's kind of where they've plucked the period from. I don't know if it is strong enough. I definitely don't think it. I don't think you should be allowed to compete at the next Olympics, that's yes. for sure. Yeah, if you're an Olympian, yes, you certainly miss an Olympiad. But I do, as I said earlier, I do feel sorry for those athletes who are brought up in a, in a systematic you know, environment. Oh, the details out of Russia. I mean, the McLaren report, which came out this week, talks of the system as it worked in Russia leading up to the Sochi Games. Dirty athletes would give a sample. A member of what used to be called the KGB would then come into the laboratory dressed as a sewer maintenance worker. He would get those dirty samples, push them through a hole in the wall to sneak them out of the lab, and then swap the dirty urine for clean urine, reseal the bottle, and push it back through the hole into the testing lines. I mean, that's just extraordinary. It is, and and that's what I mean. Like I, I, these systems are put in place, and surely you have a level of empathy for the athletes. If something already exists, and you can come through and want to be as clean as day, but if you're bullied into submission, it's that's a tough thing to mm. to fight if it's already in place. Mm. And we'll see what happens with some of these athletes. There's at least one Russian who can prove that while he intended to represent Russia, he was trained and drug tested in another country. So he's not actually linked to the systemic government-sponsored cheating. So he may still be able to compete. The IOC's got to work through that, and they've only got two weeks to do so. What's your weekend looking like, Ness? Well, I'm, uh, I've got the day off, actually, which is wow. quite fun. I'm going to go buy some hiking boots because I'm going hiking in October with my dad and my brother. And don't laugh at me, please. I can hike. Why not? Where are you going? Uh, the south coast in Tassie. Oh, uh, the Bay of Fires? No, it's, no. it's called the South Coast Track. It hasn't. Okay. It's only just been open recently, and so we're doing that. Well, I'm going to attempt to do that, so I need to start breaking in my hiking boots, and then I'm off to AFL tonight at Fox Footy, 10.30 tonight. Have a great weekend. Thanks, you too. And to everybody else, have a sensational weekend. Triple M's Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello. For Eagle Ridge, the golf and pie offer is back. EagleRidge.com.au